Welcome to Dove and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma Ruschak. I'm here with special guest, Dr. Dawn Mensch, and her wonderful book series, Queen Marinta and Friends. Queen Vernita's Visitors. Visitor. Now, see, I butcher something every time. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you have a whole series out. So, what led you into writing to begin with? Well, I have a credential in moderate to severe disabilities, and it was an assignment in one of my classes to write a math book. So I actually wrote Queen Vernita's Visitors, but the first time I wrote it, it was Queen Victoria's Visitors, and it was named after my student. And then there's, it's based on the calendar still. So there's 12 months, and then there's seven, seven facts or seven activities in each month and a different friend for every month. So my students and I traveled around to the local elementary schools and we did a little skit based on the book. And then I would go back the next day and I would talk about my students and their disabilities and kind of answer some questions. And we got a grant from Cal, uh, Cal Poly from that. And so then I decided I wanted to publish it. And I, so I named it after my grandmother. So my grand, grandmother's name was Vernita. And in the first book, all of the people in my book is my children. They're my nieces and nephews. My dad is in here who is deceased. This is my son, Jeremy. And so all of the illustrations are based on the actual people. And so when I published it, I just thought that's what I was doing. I'm a teacher. Teachers love to publish books. So I'm done. You know, I published my book. Well, then I started winning awards. As you can see, this one won over eight awards. So it immediately won first place in the EV Awards out of Colorado. And everybody, I was getting interviews and people were asking me, well, what are you going to do next? And so we decided that the queen was going to travel around her kingdom because I love to travel. I got that from my grandmother, from my mother. My parents had a sailboat for 25 years. So we have adventure in our family. And so the queen has traveled around her kingdom. And I'm publishing my 13th book. And it's won 70 awards now. And I'm just having a good time. <laughs> 13 books, 70 awards. I mean, seriously. Okay, for being a teacher, this is what teachers do. <laughs> they love to publish books. I had a wonderful teacher back eons ago that had a little din- dinosaur book that she published. So I know publishing is in the gene of teachers. Actually, one of the authors that I published, she's a teacher, a retired teacher. So It's something that is in teaching that goes to being an author. But you took it a step further. You're teaching disabled children. Yeah, um, they're also included in my books. And so this one was one I did in 2019. I have a friend who lives in Kona, Hawaii. So I spent a lot of time there and actually written two books on Hawaii. But this one is on volcanic islands. And these are the ones of the ones that I won. Um, I entered my books into film festivals. And I actually, uh, my whole series won the Special Recognition Champion Award from Conquering Disabilities with Film because I've included disabilities. So this is Connor and he has autism and he was one of my students. So he's teaching the queen about his communication device because he's nonverbal. And there's seven facts about that. And then this little girl, has Rett syndrome and she's a real person. And this is her mom, this is Ireland and Heather. And it's just seven facts about Rett syndrome. And so if a child's reading the book, they're learning about volcanoes and swimming with the sharks and all of that. And then they're gonna come along to a child who's 
living their life. Ireland's going to school. She has friends. She's making lays for her classmates. And so the mom is teaching the queen why she needs to help her, like what is happening to her body. But all the children, they're just living their lives. I've included Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, visual impairments, hearing impairments, um, all sorts of things. I mean, this is awesome for teaching. I, I, I wish these were more in more schools to teach the kids because we have to be more inclusive of our disabled children. My daughter yeah. is autistic. She's okay. She, so that does hit home for me. She is verbal, but she's your teacher. So you understand this. She's 18 now, but she's eight. Okay. Well, that's actually really high <laughs> for, for, because <laughs> yeah. I teach a moderate to severe disabilities. So a lot of my students are still, you know, like pre-K, mm-hmm. first grade. Um, you know what? Autistic children love my books because it's a rote learning. Mm-hmm. they're very repetitious so they just love to read the books right and it's she's i say she's eight because she's high functioning but we have a whole community that we belong to and you have the ones that are non-functioning and they're wheelchair bound they're non-verbal you know there's different skills depending on where you're at but also you have the ones that have hearing disabilities you have yeah. Oh, I was going to show you, um, since you have a community of people, the one thing that we do is we have a workability program. Have you heard of that? I have not. not okay, the this is the first time, you know, with you that I'm hearing about the book or anything else, but with our community, there's just very limited resources. Uh, where are you at? Uh, the community we're based out of is in Ohio. We are moving, so we'll be finding another, another community. But where my daughter grew up at, it's a rural community. So it's not very many people to begin with. Okay. So they probably might not have. Okay. So I know that a lot of states have it. So when you move, um, look into that. So this is called, it's called workability. And our students go into the community and they work at the CVS and the Walgreens. And they go during the school day. So my assistants go with them and help them. And then they go out to lunch. And they, so I wrote an article and a woman I did an interview with was kind enough to let me write about my students. And so this, this is one of my students, James. And we take things, I pick things up at the Mountain Hardware. And right here, he's putting the tag on the snow hats. So he did, I think he did over 300 of them. And then they give us a movie card and we get to go to the movies once a month. So like tomorrow, I'm going to pick up uh, bags of receipts and my students are going to add them up. We're going to get our movie card and then we're going to go to the movies. And so we're teaching a lot of uh, social skills, workability skills, um, independent skills. And so that's we've been doing that for many, many years. That is awesome. I just got my daughter approved for Social Security for her disabilities because she's She's not functioning when she's in social things. She's very, yeah. If you take her to the store, she doesn't function. She melts down. That's how she is. You know, she's very one-on-one and that's it. But at the same time, you're teaching other students that don't have the disabilities about the disabilities so they don't get bullied in school. 
Yeah. And in the, you know, in the community also, you yes. know, we go out and they, they order their own lunches and, you know, there's always stuff with them, but they will look at us and we kind of direct them back to the child. Mm-hmm. You know, what would you like? And then if they have a communication device, then they learn to look at the communication device so that they can order their own lunch, pay for their own meals. And even if we're doing some hand over hand stuff, we're still teaching the child that they have to pay for their meals. What would they like? You know, and it is, it's teaching the community. It's teaching our students, um, even, even on school sites, sometimes we're not welcome to like leave our classrooms. You know, we go into mm-hmm. the cafeteria, we go to the assemblies and sometimes that's not really welcome. And so we have to teach even the school staff, you know, our students need to be able to do what, as much as they can do, Um, you know, different states have different criteria. Some do fully inclusive classrooms. Um, I I have a self-contained classroom and I focus more on, uh, because I have a PhD and my dissertation was written on the workability and the skills and the federal transition goals, which cover all students until they're the age of 22. And so we did that. And so I focus more on that kind of thing, the independent living, because the more that they learn while they're with us, the higher program they're going to be able to go into when they leave us and go, you know, off into their world. Exactly. We have to be able to work with these students. It's not they have a disability, let's hide them away. That's the mentality from 70 years ago. We have to evolve and teach them. Yes, and some of the, we have one girl that's nonverbal, but she's a whiz at math. She does uh-huh. math that I can't even comprehend as an adult. And she's 12 now, I think. And I've watched her grow up. She knows math. She knows numbers. Everything she does with her hands is with numbers. But she can be something in some corporation right. somewhere. So it's when right. she gets older with numbers, yes. she's good she at work that. with an accountant. Mm-hmm. She can work with um, a cashier. I mean, there's lots of things that she could do. And like, like for us, where we are, we have different levels. So we have the students who are like non, nonverbal, they're in wheelchairs. So they're, they stay in a social program like all day mm-hmm. and they might have work they can do. Just maybe they put, takes all day to assemble one thing, but that's okay. But then we have other students that are really high functioning and then they are able to go and we have like a warehouse where they go and they assemble things all day long and it's a real job. They get paid for the whole day. They have to come to work. Mm -hmm. If they don't come to work, then they are replaced with a new person who is going to be doing that. And so it's our job to teach them all of those skills so that they're successful. And part of our job also is to educate the parents. Because sometimes the parents don't know, like they just, they think that the parent, their child is only going to be able to stay at home with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, different states do have different criteria, but there are different kinds of programs that they can go and be social and have friends. Because we have to remember that our children are their children, their children mm-hmm. and their adults first who have a disability. And sometimes that gets lost. It does. If they are people first, we all have the same ability to thrive mm-hmm. and your books illustrate this perfectly i believe and it's you're thriving you live your life the best life that you can do it isn't the life that jill over here can do or jack down the street can do it's the best life you can do 
Yes. So you have 13 books out. Are you working on more? Uh, yeah, I'm working on one. I went to Wyoming. And so we just finished the illustrations on that one. So I'm going to start writing that when I get a chance. But I'll tell you a little about the other books that um, mm -hmm. don't actually have disabilities in them. This one, I published five during the pandemic because we were at home. <laughs> and so this is actually, I took a train from Williams, Arizona to the Grand Canyon. And there was, this was, see, this is all of our family. There was 19 awesome. of us. And when we came back, we got our pajamas on and we went on the Polar Express. And so this is actually my grandson who fell asleep in Santa's lap. Mm -hmm. So this is a pre-K to first grade. And it's, this is my granddaughter who's looking out the window of the train. And this is my mom, she's the conductor. And so it's just about our train ride, the bandits. These are my grandsons that the horse ran along the train, got on the train and he pretended to rob us. And so we actually picked up my grandsons like this. This is a real picture she made into an illustration. So that's lots of fun. And this one I just published. Every year we go camping. Um, I live in California, so it's along the coastline. And it's called Halama Beach. And this one is pre-K to first grade. And it's all about camping on the beach and swimming in the ocean and kite flying. And there's an ostrich farm there. So um, the, they go there and they learn about ostriches. They feed the ostriches. And then they do body surfing. And there's raccoons. And so... It just teaches everyone to get out and have a great time as a family. And there's, you know, lots of really interesting things out in the world. There are a lot of things that we can do as families. Not all of them cost a ton of money. Camping is probably the least expensive unless you yes. make it expensive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, they're camping in tents in the book. So, <laughs> yeah, well, you, I love camping, so I can do the tent camping, and I can do the RV camping, or I can do the cabin camping. Yes. It just depends on, you know. Where you're at. Yeah, where you're at, and then you find from your camping spot what else is around you, especially when you go to a different state. Yes. That, was always, mm -hmm. that was always yeah. fun growing up because my yeah. family, we always traveled to different states during the summer. Tennessee, Georgia, Missouri, just depending on what the mood was of the family at the time, then you find, oh, they have a arcade that just opened back in the 80s, or, you know, you have a new theme park that's open that's really small. It's not like Java Lake or Disneyland or something big. It's just something yeah. small and local. And you find all these little things and they do skits of cowboys and robbers or, you know, all the Western things, or you go horseback riding. It's all the stuff you can do as a family. Yes. It's or just, there. you know, sitting around the campfire and talking about your day or making up stories and mm -hmm. making s'mores, you know, all of that connectiveness and um, togetherness. Over the pandemic, we did, uh, my children are all grown. I have six grandchildren now. But my children had planned all of these camping trips once a month. So that's what we did during the pandemic. And we went to Zion and Grand, the Grand Canyon and the Sequoias and San Diego quite a bit. They enjoyed the KOAs. So we went there, like we went to the Grand Canyon and we went um, in go-karts and 
hiking and they took their bicycles and rode their bicycles along the rim. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we just had a really went swimming and had a great time. And that's how we got through the pandemic and still, you know, got to see each other. That is a wonderful way to do it. You get in ma- nature. I took my daughter hiking, I think every day during the pandemic when it was nice weather, you know, it's what we do to survive the worst case scenario because you'll have to survive as people. Yes. (laughs) And it was, it was tough. You know, it was, I, we did a lot. um, I have my mom, I spent a lot of time with my mom and we went on a walk every day. We went out to lunch. Um, We went, there's a beautiful bed and breakfast. She loves up the coast. So we went there like once a month and just kind of kept ourselves going. And it, it was harder. There was a lot of adjustments. Uh, one time I had a friend that was living with me and she was a traveling OT, occupational therapist from me. So that's when it hit. So we have a poppy field out here and it was just blooming because nobody was walking on it. So it just, it was beautiful. So we went out there and I showed her and there were no restrooms open and it was like an hour and a half away. <laughs> so on the way home, we were having these terrible, like, you know, we have to go where do you know, and there was nothing open. So there's a lot of adjustments that had to be made <laughs> while we were doing that. Okay. When you get in the car, make sure, you know, don't drink anything until we get to where we're going. Cause mm-hmm. you know, the, they weren't open in the gas stations <laughs> and it was pretty rough, but you know, we still did a lot. We went to the beach cause she, you know, didn't spend a lot of time at the beach her, and I wanted to see the red tide mm-hmm. and I, oh, I always missed it. I went twice and one time it was like 30 miles away. So I always missed it, but you couldn't even sit down on the beach. So there was no relaxing on the beach. You had to keep walking. So we took my grandson and he was nine. And so he walked along beside us and um, swam in the ocean. And she was, she was walking on the shoreline and there was a jellyfish. So she's trying to dance over the jellyfish. It was huge. (laughs) Stepping on it. Mm -hmm. So they became the illustration in my book. So there's my grandson dancing in the water behind us. (laughs) And trying to get away from the jellyfish. Yes, I know the jellyfish of South Carolina. But I'm... See, I've never been to South Carolina. (laughs) We went... I took my daughter when she was three. No. Yeah, three, four. Somewhere through there. And I, it was the first time in the ocean with my daughter, first time she's been in water and there's jellyfish swimming, swimming beside us. And I'm like, oh, here's mommy moat. My daughter's going to get stung by a jellyfish. <laughs> and she'll never want to get in the water again. <laughs> yeah. So we spent the rest of the time swimming at the hotel pool because mommy went paranoid. <laughs> hey, it hurts. I was in Mexico one time with my friend and we swam to like a hidden beach. We had to go underneath a cave. Mm-hmm. It was kind of scary going in. It wasn't scary. Um, Cause there was like an archway, mm-hmm. but coming back, the tide had come up. So you had to wait and go at a specific time to go past the rocks under the water. And we were all swimming back and all of a sudden everybody's screaming and yelling and doing this. You know, I'm like, Oh my God, what's going on? You know, <laughs> like there's sharks or whatever. We went through a, a school of jellyfish. I don't know if they're called schools and they were biting everybody. And then, so they started stinging me and I'm like, ah, <laughs> but we, we got back in. Yeah. It, it feels like a bee sting and you're trying to swim. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I lost one of my fins. So I'm like all lopsided trying to get back to the boat and everybody's screaming, <laughs> but we got back up and I'm like, margarita time. I'm good. And people went back in the water and I'm like, you're crazy. I'm just going to sit right here on the boat. I'm good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <But> it hurt. <laughs> it does. I mean, when we've went to South Carolina when I was growing up. So when we took, I was stung then by a jellyfish so I knew from personal experience it hurts so when I found a jellyfish when my baby was in the water you know I'm like no she's gonna be scared of the water left for her life and mommy lets her yeah probably probably yeah I we went last time I went to Kona we were swimming in this very calm beautiful bay and all I did was kick my foot and I just felt this sting on the heel of my foot and I'm like thrashing around, like, I don't know what got me. I don't. And I swam over to my son-in-law. I'm like, I don't know what bit me. Something got me. And so I guess I kicked an urchin or something. And I had these, these black things stuck in the heel of my foot. And oh my gosh, it hurts so bad. We had to get vinegar and I had to soak my foot and it swelled up and I could hardly walk. On it. <laughs> but it really scared me because I didn't know what it was, you know? And that's the first time that that's had, that has happened. But Oh my gosh. You never know. (laughs) You never know when you're traveling and you're doing adventures, what's going to happen. I took my daughter to a park that's here and I'm scared to death of heights. Well, over the summer last year, I conquered this little path that goes on the side of the mountain as a little hill, maybe 20 (laughs) feet up from the ground. But the path is just big enough where you have to walk heel to toe. It took all summer, but I finally got through it. And then I had her with me the one time and she's like, mom, you're crazy. <laughs> she wouldn't go. <laughs> she she watched, walked it like it was nothing. Oh, because she's not afraid. I'm afraid of heights too. And so, yeah, I know that it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your legs are all wobbly. and <laughs> You get scared. It, it's adrenaline. And then you walk it. And then we found the deer. And we're 15 feet away from a small family of deer. Oh, I mean, yeah, it was worth going through the fear and going down the little mountain path to find where the deer are. Yeah, see there, that was like your reward when you got on the other side of it. (laughs) One thing we did with our students is we went snow skiing. Okay. And um, I got some grants and because I grew up in the mountains and we got to go snow skiing when I was growing up. So I wanted my students to have the same experience. And so some of them had like reins mm-hmm. and they had the instructors. Some were snowboarding all on their own and some had to be inside like a sled dependent on like a bad seizure disorder or anything. So there's so many opportunities for, you know, our students to be doing all sorts of things. Right. There's fun out there. We have to find it. Yes. And and let them, and let them try. Just like any other person, we have to try it to see, A, do we like it? B, can we master it? And C, is this just not for me because I don't gravitate to it? Right. I always tell my students, I was telling them that you have to try it at least once. If you don't like it, that's okay, but you've got to try. So I grew up skiing. And then after I got pregnant, I became afraid of heights. I had a dream that I fell out of the chair 
and I couldn't get in the chairlift anymore. So I had some older teenage boys who were just snowboarding everywhere. And they're like, well, how come you're not doing it? You know? <laughs> so they kind of nailed me on that. So we tried, I tried to snowboard because I grew up skiing. So I tried to snowboard. I think I went six feet all day long. That's as far as I could get. But one time the, my students were in, on the chair and the wind was blowing really hard mm-hmm. and it blew it off the wheel. And so she was swaying and I ran over and I'm underneath her. I don't know what I was going to do. Catch her. I don't know. <laughs> but but the, they, they went up there. Well, they put this, the, um, I was going to say string. It wasn't a string, but they put it up there and she had to sit on this little board and they brought her down. She was calm as anything was just fine. And I would have been like jumping out of the chair, you know, (laughs) but she was fine. And, you know, they tried to get me to leave and I'm like, no, that is my student. And I'm not leaving until you bring her down to me. You know, I just, gosh, I couldn't imagine if something happened to her, but she wasn't scared at all. She was perfectly fine. (laughs) She thought it was fun. That's my daughter. (laughs) She does zip lining. She loves it. (gasps) Oh, I've always that, wanted to try that. <laughs> she wants, she loves rock climbing. She loves all the adventure stuff, but mommy don't do that. Cause you'll get hurt. <laughs> well, see, she's still young. so <laughs> She doesn't know <laughs> it hurts. Yeah. She, well, she's my little guardian. So she tests what I mommy can do. If she can do it and it's okay. And she doesn't get hurt. Then I'm allowed to do it. <laughs> that's that's backwards <laughs> yeah it's a little backwards so I go on all my mommy adventures when I don't have her with me <laughs> well it's nice that you know it's it's actually a lot for an autistic child to mm-hmm. or an adult to even be aware of the other person yeah to that extent so mm-hmm. her social skills are pretty high her, her social skills with mommy are very high her social skills with the rest of the world are not there. <laughs> she is she still in, is she no, still in she, school? She did graduate high school. Okay. Uh, she was in an all-inclusive class, so she graduated with the GPA of 2.6. Wow. So that's very high for an autistic child. So I'm very proud of her that she looks at the rating system for colleges and she's like well if I had a 4.0 I could get a scholarship what's the scholarship and why do I need one <laughs> does she want to go to college is she, she going to, to try she, she wants to go to college so we are looking at colleges she has oh, been wow. home for the last year we have not settled on one because we don't even know what major she wants to do it changes today oh, okay. if you ask any eight-year-old what they want to be when they grow up it changes 50,000 times well <laughs> that's where we're at I'm like we're not changing majors every six months because it's not something that you want so we're going to find something that you want and go from there well it definitely has to be something associated with math skills it's math and reading for her and then math for the one that's in our community so oh, okay yeah. No, my daughter, she does math. She loves, she loves list. She loves fashion. If it's pre 1900s. <laughs> oh, Victorian. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. She loves a Victorian fashion and she wants to bring the Victorian fashion back to modern age because the modern fashion is too confusing. Oh, why is it confusing? It's not, it's, I don't know. <laughs> 
there aren't there, there aren't as many rules i have no idea hmm. for her modern fashion is too confusing and it's not mo modest enough well that's true <laughs> that, that much in comparison to the victorian age <laughs> yeah yes yes yeah. so i'm like okay well we'll look at it but that's my daughter in the meantime where can our viewers and our listeners find you i have a website dr don menge my publisher is rushmore press my facebook is don menge one and if you go on my facebook there i have albums for each of my books and then the real pictures of the adventures are in there and I have an Instagram, Don Menge, and a Twitter, Queen Vernita. Well, awesome. And thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been awesome. And I hope your books make it into more societies that need them. Well, we've written a couple of screenplays, and it's being pitched to Netflix, and it's being entered. Screenplays are being entered into film festivals. So hopefully, something really good will come of it. Fingers crossed. And yes. for all of our readers and our listeners, happy reading.